0: i'm so much more comfortable collecting real estate than i am collecting other stuff
1: welcome to collecting real estate i am your host Stephen purse in this fifth episode i interview my co-host bill hamill on the eighth investment property of his career This property is a duplex located next door to his seventh property in the Pine Hills neighborhood of Albany. Bill does a great job walking through his first auction purchase from start to finish. He then discusses how he was able to finance the property using credit card and cash advances and eventually utilizing the Burr Method before the Burr Method was a known term. The key takeaways from this episode are learning how to win in auction style and how to get creative with financing. If you like what you hear, you can follow Collecting Real Estate on Instagram at Collecting Real Estate and you can follow me at Stephen underscore Purge3. As always, thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy. All right. Collecting real estate is property number eight.
0: Property number eight, 864 Washington Avenue, which became a very familiar street in this section of Pine Hills for us.
1: That's the same street as last time, correct? Yeah, right next door. So how did you find the next door property for sale or was it off market?
0: While we were rehabbing 862 Washington Avenue, we we got to know the next door neighbor, um, one of the tenants that lived in 864 and nice guy that, that, geez, I ended up developing a a relationship with him for um, 20 years. He had just since passed, unfortunately. But he was able to give us a little bit of intel stating that his landlord... Uh, was struggling in their building, you know, the second floor apartment, they always had issues with tenants and uh, continued turning that over, having difficulty, which equated to not being able to pay their mortgage in a timely manner. And uh, it was pretty, pretty clear that that they were turning into don't wanters, meaning they, you know, they had enough of this property.
1: So how long after you, you purchased the property next door, did you find that out?
0: It was a matter of a month or two, you know, where we started to communicate with that tenant and he was basically discussing his landlord's issues as far as, you know, they were vocal to him, you know, as far as the problems they were having with the second floor apartment over and over again, and uh, which made it difficult for them to pay their bills.
1: And once you found that out, what did you do with that information?
0: Um, just kind of tucked it under our hat as we were finishing up the rehab at 862 Washington and getting that property situated. Things evolved little by little to the point where I, I believe I, I actually met the owner of 864 Washington briefly. And I believe towards the tail end of their ownership, they they, they showed me their cards basically saying um, they were gonna lose the property, um, trying to remember back now. And I, I offered them like $50,000 for the property, which would have allowed them to uh, get out and maybe have a few dollars you know, in their pocket from, you know, their ownership of the property. And I know we didn't make a deal somehow, some way we couldn't put something together. And um, eventually it went up for auction.
1: Okay. I was expecting this to be your first off market purchase. In, In the last episode, the last couple, you mentioned having a good loan officer at Homestead Funding. Sorry, this is a little bit of a tangent here going off topic, but you also mentioned having a good broker who helped you find these properties. How important was it when you're getting started to put together that all star team to make things run smoothly?
0: The all star team to make things run smoothly didn't happen. You know, I guess you can say you, you start putting together the team, you know, just by having. An attorney closing deals for us, insurance people getting insurance, you know, the the bare necessities that you have to have on, you know, any properties. So the the team changed over time um, as we became as we accumulated more properties and got more and more familiar with the space. You know, we had made some changes with with all of those professionals that that fit. What we were doing better, you know, people that were more in tune of what the investment property game was all about, starting with you know your real estate attorney to you know your uh, insurance agent, and um, everything else that that you have to put together. Um, those are the only two that I can think of at this point in time, because we were, we were still just doing everything on our own. You know, I would really have to fast forward quite a bit, um, probably to property, property number, probably into the 20s, you know, mm-hmm. before we really put together a, a team meaning employees and, and uh, other professionals that were, that were able to uh, help us out throughout the process.
1: Okay, so going back to Washington Ave, did you see this for auction in the paper? Is that where you found out that it was going up for sale?
0: Yeah, it was clear that this was happening and I was, I was hawking the legal notices. So at, at this point in time, I had developed some knowledge through reading materials, different things that I had purchased to develop that education on how to find distressed properties, auction properties, um, county courthouse sales. So I was looking in the legal notices of the local newspaper every day, um, specifically for this property. But at the same time, you know, just going right through the legal notices, which basically advertise, you know, whatever bank as the plaintiff verse, you know the homeowner who would be the defendant that hadn't been paying their their mortgage note, and the property was being advertised to uh, be sold at the county courthouse.
1: Okay, so you're checking the paper every day, and then you finally see it in there. Once you saw it, what did you do next?
0: Well, you schedule it in. It's it's great when you you know you you know you see that legal notice that you've been waiting for. And you open the paper that one day and there it is because you've been looking for it. You're like, ah, okay, because things take time. So, you know, this one evolved, saw that legal notice and it probably didn't happen for 30 days or so. So I was able to plan accordingly, um, making sure I was prepared for that auction. Um, Fortunately, knowing that first floor tenant at 864 Washington, we became friendly and you know, I was able to see the inside of the house, you know, really get the inside scoop, which you normally don't get on these types of opportunities. So I I had a pretty good amount of, of insight, you know, what this property was all about physically going into that auction.
1: Can you walk me through the auction process for anyone that's never been through one before?
0: Auction process in this case, when it's a mortgage foreclosure, it is a referee that is basically an attorney that's hired by the bank to facilitate the auction. So they'll advertise it in um, the newspaper and maybe some other publications. I think by law they, they're required to advertise it once a week in, in publications of their choice. The newspaper just ended up being the you know the common area that this was done. And you show up at that auction and he reads, he or she reads those terms of sale, which are pretty standard, basically saying that you were buying a property as is. Um, and uh, you have to put down 10% non-refundable deposit. At that point, you have 30 days to close on the property.
1: And there wasn't much competition.
0: There was nobody there. Once again, I'm I'm reflecting and there might've been one or two other people, but no one else bid. I was the only bidder on this.
1: Wow. And that was your first auction, right? Yeah, this was the
0: first auction. So originally I was going to purchase this property, like I said, for $50,000 from this seller, you know, that was worth it to me because it fit my location criteria. We had just purchased the property next door. And uh, renting the both units out, knowing what work had to be done to get the property up to speed, you know, 50,000 was fair. And I was able to see sometimes they have the advertised judgment amount, meaning that the bank puts a number in that auction advertisement, you know, basically what they're owed on the property. In this case, it was like 37,000 and some change.
1: Is that what you end up getting it for?
0: Yeah, I ended up getting it for, um, I I think it was 37 and, and a few hundred dollars. So what happens is the auction starts, the referee reads the terms of sale. And in this case, and in many cases, the bank doesn't even send a representative to the auction but tells the referee to start the bidding at that initial amount, which is basically saying the bank has made the first bid. So the bank makes that first bid at the judgment amount, and then the auction starts. If nobody bids on it, the bank has basically just legally purchased that Through that next step of the foreclosure property for that judgment amount. Sometimes, you know, you may have a bidder who will make that next bid, and there could be no one else there at the auction, but the referee or the representative by the bank may be directed to make another bid. And they'll have, you know, a game plan where they'll go up to a certain amount and they'll stop just like uh, any other bidder would. In, in this case, they just made that first bid of that judgment amount. And that was all they were gonna do. And I was there making that next bid. No one else was bidding. So I was the successful bidder.
1: Okay, that was a really good walkthrough. How bad was it inside when you you finally you got the property and you're taking a look at what you need to do in there?
0: Well, I had the inside scoop. From that first floor tenant so he had i had been in his apartment several times his apartment was in you know good shape he lived there he kept it very nice and he was paying rent so you know no issues on the first floor um second floor you know just some cosmetics nothing major you know i believe we had to replace some kitchen cabinets and and do some minor cosmetics but this building you know it was a uh, one bedroom on the first floor and a two bedroom on the second floor not a whole lot of square footage so um i you know we probably only had to put seven or eight thousand dollars into the property to get it fully occupied fully operating
1: and uh into the portfolio okay so this wasn't a construction rehab again how did you finance that seven eight thousand and the property itself this is a
0: this is a fun story because this is when you know, we really have to get creative. So when we won at the auction, we put the 10% down and we had 30 days to close and being not a a big purchase price, you know, at that point in time, I had done a lot of uh, uh, reading and exploring on creative financing and um, thinking up um, resources to um, get deals done. So I had um, built up a large number of credit cards. So I was keeping them in my wallet for safekeeping until uh, I had the opportunity to use them. So at that point, it's pulling out my who knows how many, eight or 10 credit cards sitting down one day and calling all those customer service numbers on those credit cards and asking confirming, verifying the terms of cash advances, fees that I was going to be charged for cash advances, the startup interest rates when the interest rates might go up, because I, I did know that, you know, these were credit cards and I better really know exactly what I was getting into from credit card to credit card, because I was basically getting whatever money I could from each credit card that would be able to get me to purchase that property. So it ended up being using seven or eight credit cards with cash advances to fund you know, a $37,000 purchase.
1: That's a great example of creative financing. And it all worked out for you?
0: worked great. You know, the the idea was, you know, this is what I learned, you know, it's pretty simple concept. You know, yes, buying a property with all credit cards seems risky, some people would think is kind of crazy. But it was there was a strategy to it. I knew that we would make this purchase, you know, do the minor fix up work to get the property repositioned and rented. And, you know, at that point, we're just seeking out conventional financing. So, you know, we applied to the, you know, normal bank that we had been getting loans from. And uh, it was easy to qualify for this type of uh, loan, this type of property with um, this amount of financing necessary. And we refinanced it, paid off the credit cards, probably put uh, some money in our pocket at the time, you know. So when you're refinancing, You know, we probably refinance that with a purchase appraised value of, you know, I would say $80,000, $90,000. So they gave us 80% loan and, you know, we just had to pay off that 37,000 plus the five or 6,000 that we put into the property to get it up to speed, you know, so we probably got a loan for like 60 grand, you know, we were into the property for probably in the 40s you know, put some money in our account. Fortunately, that conventional financing, the principal interest, taxes, insurance, all those operating expenses, you know, were still covered by the rents that we were receiving. So, you know, this was a, my first case of overfinancing, where we now own this property, seven or eight months after owning it, we now have uh, $10,000 dollars in our account more than we had, and this property was supporting itself with the current rents. So we owned that we, we were being paid to own this property.
1: Yeah, a couple of things here. First, your average consumer is trained to think that debt is bad, but in credit card cash advances, sounds like almost dirty words it's a good example of how you can use that debt to your advantage uh, and make a profit with it. And second, it sounds like you used a burr method there before burr method was a term. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. I was, I was just learning things uh, as we went naturally. uh, You know, I had been doing a lot of reading and uh, you know, different, different authors with different specialties. So what I did realize very clearly was there's a difference between credit for business and credit personally. So um, very simple concept where I don't use my credit cards to go to the mall and spend a lot of money. Uh, I use my credit cards for business. So it's, it's the matter of letting credit take advantage of you in relation to you taking advantage of the credit?
1: Such an important concept. Any crazy stories? Once you once you got going with this property,
0: the only you know this property ran pretty well for years. There was, there was nothing major other than other than that 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 guy next door, Carlos, who was our first floor tenant for twenty years. He was an interesting dude. Um, he became a great friend of mine when we were rehabbing 862 Washington Ave and we were originally meeting Carlos we would we would see him get out of taxis get off of the bus and uh, Carlos dressed very smoothly I, I don't know what the you know there could be a lot of adjectives used but our first impression of Carlos you know another one of those fun times that me and my partner Greg had As we're looking out the window, as we're doing work, watching him pass our property, go to his apartment, you know, with his fedora, you know, his suit on, you know, the nice shoes, you know, we, he looked like a pimp. Mm -hmm. And here we are, you know, in the beginning of our careers being like, oh my God, 860, we just bought 862 Washington and we have a pimp living next door at 864. And that, that was far from the case it was just Carlos's style. He, you know, he was, he was a a New York city guy that, that relocated into Albany at some point in his life. And, you know, he, he just uh, had a certain style. And after we met him for the first time, you know, especially after we got to know him, he was just a great guy that, 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 you know, meant well, Um, always very conscious of taking care of his priorities and, uh, you know, and I think that's how we clicked because even though he was, uh, our tenant, you know, he saw the value for both parties, you know, taking care of his property, getting, making sure that his, his bills are paid and, and, and just doing the right thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Sounds like quite the character. Is there anything you would do differently about this property, this investment?
0: Not really. You know when we we first bought it, we did it like we did a lot of stuff i I, I guess you could say if 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 I was to do anything differently it, it it would be the same idea on a lot of our properties early on where you know we bought them and did the bare minimum to make the apartments fresh and clean for that tenant. you know, so we didn't overspend by any means we were we were operating very thinly you know, based on limited amount of capital. So, you know, we ended up putting a lot of money into the exterior, probably four or five years after the fact. Um, Once we were, we were developing more traction with, with more property and accumulating the portfolio. So we, probably did some refinancing with different properties and and knew that we had to go back to that one to put on vinyl siding and um, do the roof and, you know, some, some capital expenditures that, that were smart, long-term improvements.
1: Okay. And at this point, there's still no exit strategy. You're just collecting real estate.
0: Yeah. We're collecting real estate at that point. This is just property number eight. So, it's, it's now 1999 and we are just building that portfolio, just uh, seeing about uh, accumulating as much as we can, and each property just added to that monthly cash flow. You know, so the, 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 the general concept of, you know, this is our monthly cash flow with all the properties combined. And this is another property in the portfolio that we're into it for, say, $60,000. It's worth ninety, dollars So there's another $30,000 in equity that we can add to all of the equity buildup from the previous properties. And we were building net worth.
1: Mm-hmm. And the end goal never changed. It's just continued to build.
0: Yeah. At that point, we were, we were just looking to accumulate property. We were buying and holding um, no, no exit in mind at that point.
1: Okay. Well, I appreciate you sharing looking forward to the next one.
0: Sounds great. Thanks, Steven.
1: Thanks, Bill.